Hi, this is Greg Kilstrom. Welcome to season three of the Agile World, where we discuss customer and employee experience, organizational and workforce transformation, and how business can adapt and continually improve in an Agile age. The Agile World podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full stack technology services, talent services, and real world application. For more information, go to techsystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed in this show, you can go to my website at theagile.world and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, The Agile Workforce, now available on Amazon and other retailers. My name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the host of the Agile World podcast. Today, we're going to talk about a critical component of the customer experience, creating customer loyalty so you have satisfied customers, advocates for your brand, and ultimately customers who come back for more. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Shep Hyken, Chief Amazement Officer, Customer Service Speaker, Customer Service and Customer Experience Expert, Keynote Speaker, and Best-Selling Author. His new book, I'll Be Back, where he deals with these topics, will be available soon. Shep, uh, welcome to the show. I am very excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, looking looking forward to the the conversation here. So let's let's dive in here. And you know, lots of companies say they're they put customers first, they love their customers, things like that. But things like high customer satisfaction and customer loyalty are not nearly as common as they should be. Why should uh, customer loyalty be emphasized more in organizations? And do you think it gets the same emphasis as sales and marketing to new customers? Wow, that's a great question. And it really uh, upsets me when I see a company that I personally have been doing business with. And there's various industries that do this, the, the you know cellular phone industry, the cable industry, and they are offering brand new customers who've never shown any loyalty to them whatsoever a better deal than their existing customers. Uh, there's a turnoff to that. Uh, some, some customers uh, call and complain. Some customers make a game out of it where, uh, for example, I know uh, in the industry of, of you know, cable and internet, uh, you get a great deal for first timers. And then that goes away in three or six months or maybe a year. And guess what happens? Uh, that customer comes back in to renegotiate. Now, I'm going down a rabbit hole here, but let me just emphasize this. Uh, I talk about customer loyalty in the book. In the book, again, it's titled I'll Be Back with the subtitle How to Get Customers to Come Back Again and Again. But it's not even so much just about loyalty. It's about repeat business. And there is a difference, uh, but still, repeat business is gold. Loyalty is sacred. But if I'm a business, I want to try to get that customer back in the door again and again. I want to understand why they're coming back, because often they're coming back out of reasons of convenience. Maybe it's only price that's bringing them back. If I understand this, I'll be able to adjust down the road to make sure I adapt to what customers expect and need for my business. So what are what are some of the common things that companies do that get in the way of that? And you know, whether it's loyalty or repeat business? Well, uh, number one, I think they don't properly measure. Uh, in the book, we talk about, you know, the important, the most important measurement in business. Everybody needs to know how their customers feel about them. Uh, it was Peter Drucker, or it could have been one of the other famous management gurus, gurus that said, you can't manage what you don't measure. Yeah. Uh, but here's what you need to look at. Are they happy? And there's lots of ways to do that. Customer satisfaction scores, net promoter score. And that's the question uh, on a scale of zero to 10, what's the likelihood that you would recommend me? And all of those measure what I call customer history. It's the event that happened earlier today, yesterday, last week. Were you happy with that? 
I want to know, is the customer going to come back? So we need to take a look at the measurement of repeat business. We need to look at the measurement of churn to make sure what our retention rate is. And we start to understand that we're now looking at behavior, not just satisfaction. Yeah, so the interesting point there, and and certainly, you know, I think Net Promoter Score and, and things like that have their place. But um, I agree with you. What you're saying is that is definitely a looking back kind of um, kind of way of measurement and and even way of thinking. How do you measure for, um, let's say, forward intent or you know intent to to repeat? Like, what are what are ways that um, that that companies can can look at look at that? Well, just like you ask, you know, what's the likelihood that you would recommend? You can always ask, what's the likelihood that you plan to come back? Uh, But I'd like to also measure if they do come back and we should be able to track repeat business. That's what, uh, you know, they call them loyalty programs or actually marketing programs. But once you sign up for that program, we should be able to track you, give you points, watch your behaviors, watch your buying patterns, et cetera, et cetera. Now, that sounds a lot more complicated than just simply knowing, did the customer come back? <laughs> but that's a right. pretty good start is just knowing if they do come back. By the way, NPS and CSAT and all those others, customer uh, success, all those measurements are really, really important. I don't want to discount those. We need to have some of those in place. But understanding the behavior, to me, is just as important, if not even more so. How do companies start assessing where some of their biggest deficiencies might be in, you know, whether it's customer experience or customer satisfaction? What's the, you know, where, where would you counsel a company to, to start looking? Well, I'd start looking at the, there's so many answers to that question. I'm going to give you a few of them. Um, I think number one, uh, let's talk about all the number one places to start looking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> number one, let's look at leadership. Okay. It's leadership created the vision that's necessary uh, for everybody to understand what great service and a great experience looks like to the customer. Uh, I love to use the example of the Ritz Carlton who has that, uh, they call it a credo. It's one sentence long, actually nine words. We're ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. You come to work there, you know it, you understand it. That's what they teach you. And then they train you on how to deliver on that credo. Uh, I like to refer to anything that's one sentence or less as a mantra. But let's say, number one, start with leadership. Now, here's another number one. Do a journey map. (laughs) Look at every single touch point that's going on and interacting with the customer at every level from not just people to people, but every interaction. They go on the website. How intuitive is it? Is it easy to find your phone number if they want you? They receive a package from you. What's that package look like? How, do, how is it packed properly on the inside to make people feel confident that somebody's taking the care of that? Look at the journey that the customer takes. And there's many different journeys. There's the journey of the first time customer, the repeat customer, the customer that comes in with a problem. The customer just calls with a question. Perhaps you have different channels. You've got your phone support, but you've also got uh, maybe social media support. You've got chat bots. You've got interactive voice response systems, also known as IVRs. What is the experience that every customer is having at every one of these interaction or touch points? And uh, that's a good place to start to measure whether there's opportunity to do better or if you're seeing a problem, you know, where are we hearing our complaints? By the way, that's another thing. Ask your customers. Here's a number one thing. Ask your customers. Yeah. <laughs> number one, check with leadership. Number one, do a journey map. Number one, ask your customers, what is it that we can be doing better? 
and look, you know, if you really have enough customers, you can start to ask a number of them questions like, um, at this point in the experience, you know, what's your feeling? How did it work? And you're trying to get objective and even subjective feedback. Uh, but you look at different points and just ask, uh, my favorite question, is there one thing we can do that would make the experience even better? And I love asking people who love us that question, because then you've got a, ch a chance to improve on greatness. But let's say somebody on a scale of, of zero to 10 or one to 10 gave you a six. I would say, I'd ask two questions. Number one, what would it take to uh, get us a seven or an eight? You know, you obviously gave us just a six. And can you think of one other idea that would make doing business with us better? That one thing question, the one thing you can think of that would make us, you know, that is a huge opportunity type of question to learn what your customers are thinking. You might have a thousand customers and 900 of them say something that's really not worth pursuing, but a few of them that do, oh my. And if a number of them are saying the same thing, you've got great opportunity. A few of the things that you mentioned as well as just in general, the, the customer journey um, often it spans, let's say, you know, in, in a large company or even a small company, it spans departments or disciplines or, or all of that. And, you know, there, there's often silos in those, in those teams and departments and even platforms. Um, how how do you work with organizations to and and counsel them to try to break down silo even if, even if there's an owner of customer experience it's like they can't do they can't do everything themselves like how do you how do you work with with an organization to to help them break down those those silos so that's a great question because uh, many many uh, areas of a company don't recognize the role they play in the customer's experience so let's go back to that journey map idea where you're, you're, you're kind of looking at all the touch points that your customers have. Well, I call those touch points as many people do, but I think behind the scenes, we have to look at those touch points as well. And actually I refer to those as, as impact points. What's happening behind the scenes that impacts that touch point. And if you do a journey map the right way, there's not going to be one department left out of the process throughout the way. And let me give you an example. Um, uh, Back in the early 1980s, when I first got into my business, and I know you can't see this, but I look a lot younger than I am, right? <laughs> um, in the 80s, I read an article by Jan Carlson. Eventually, he turned it into a book, and the title of the book was called Moments of Truth. And this, by the way, has been a main, what I call foundational concept of all of my work. It's in every book I talk about. It, at least been one short chapter kind of going over what the moment of truth is, the moment of misery. This is my name, moment of misery for bad moments of truth, moments of mediocrity, which are average, moments of magic, which are anything above average. Sometimes they're amazing, sometimes, but most of the time they're just above average. So that's foundational. And Jan Carlson said, if you're not actually on the front line interacting with the passenger, he was a Scandinavian Airlines uh, he was their president. He says, you're supporting somebody that is, or you're part of the process that's impacting that front line. And this is how it works. If you go to an airport, even today, and you check your bags, it goes down this conveyor belt. You don't see your bag again until it shows up on the baggage carousel. Yeah. And there's probably at least a dozen people, if not more, that touch that bag, move it around, make sure it's on the right cart, load it properly on the plane, take it off the plane, et cetera, et cetera, till it finally gets to uh, the baggage carousel. None of those people ever see the customer, that passenger, none of them. But if they fail, they have let their passenger down. So anything they do 
behind the scenes is an impact point. Now, also add that those people who are managing that experience internally, if they don't do their job, not only is the passenger let down, but guess who else gets it? There's an internal customer that these people have because if they don't put my luggage on the right plane and I land and I don't have it, I now have to go to that baggage office. And there's this poor soul behind the counter and he or she is looking at me knowing that I am not happy walking in that door. Nobody is ever happy walking in right, the door right. of the baggage office of an airline. And uh, yeah, I'm, by the way, I'm amazed at how well some of these people tactfully handle angry customers. But I digress. The people behind the scenes need to recognize their role. They may impact an internal customer along the way. They may impact the outside customer. And so everybody has the role. If you look at all the impact points, you're going to find that every single department, therefore, every person within a department has a role they play in the customer's experience. Well, and let's let's uh, talk a little bit more about that as well, because I think there's a there's a relationship between customer experience and employee experience. And how how do you think of that, that, that relationship there? I mean, you know, unhappy employees are, are going to treat customers differently than, than happy employees, right? So what, what, what are your thoughts on, on that relationship? Well, I can give you a one sentence answer, but of course I'm going to get into more detail, but essentially what's happening inside an organization is felt on the outside by the customer. So let's, let's expand on that a little bit, but if that's all you take away from that as an answer to that question, you've already got it nailed. Uh, look at your customer, by the way, you can go to, uh, there's so many different organizations that rate the best companies when it comes to customer service and experience. The ACSI American customer satisfaction index comes out every year, uh, out of the university of Michigan. It's a robust study. And if you take a look at the top companies in different industries that are just nailing it, and then you go over to glassdoor.com, which takes a look at the employee experiences, employees rate their, the companies they work for. It isn't a coincidence that the best companies to work for are also the best companies to do business or vice versa. You see the direct correlation. So it's so important to recognize that what's happening inside is felt on the outside. Years ago, and I've written about this a couple of times in different books that I've authored, I wrote about um, Southwest Airlines, Herb Kelleher. And Herb was presented the question, who's more important, uh, the investors and stakeholders, the passengers, because aren't they the ones that pay us the money, or the employees? And he thought about it, and he said at first it was, he called it a conundrum. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he eventually realized it's not that at all. It was easy. He said, we take care of our, pa or, I'm sorry, we take care of our, our employees first, because if our employees are happy, they're better engaged, and therefore they'll take care of the passengers that much better. And guess what? When the passengers are happy, they fly again. That makes the stakeholders really happy. So I think it's a great, you know, a great experience or a, a great example of that. Uh, speaking of experience, Brian Keith, uh, not Brian, is it Brian? Ke Brian Keeley. Brian Keith was an actor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brian Keeley, uh, and I'm not sure if he's still there, but he was the CEO of Baptist Health South, a major medical center down in Southern Florida. And he wanted to create an experience for employees that he said it's destination employment, meaning that when you come to work at uh, Baptist Health South, you'll never want to leave and go to work anywhere else again. And he felt if he could create that environment, these people are going to be happy, more engaged, and take care of their customers who are patients, 
family members of the patients, and even the doctors who have a choice as to which hospitals they want to do business and be a part of. So uh, I thought that was a great idea, you know, destination employment. So if we start thinking about how do we make sure that our people are happy, they will do a more effective job. And happy is such a simple, soft word, but there's so many, uh, it's like I talk about in the book, I talk about being nice, you know, that's, that's pretty fundamental, but uh, you know, I've written now eight books on how to be nice. (laughs) (laughs) This all makes so much sense. Why are companies, why do companies struggle so much with, you know, whether it's focusing on employees or focusing on customers? I mean, again, everybody, there's not a company out there that says we don't value our, our customers or we don't value our employees. What, what, what keeps getting in the way of, of great experience? Well, this is what we refer to as common sense. That's not always so common. That's yeah, the first yeah. thing. Everybody's, well, I don't disagree with that, but then why don't you do it? Right. So, uh, you know, this is not part of the book, but uh, you can find it if you, you know, look up on my different, you know, I've written articles after art, out, you know, I've written so much about this. This is a six step process that companies need to go through to become customer focused. And I'm going to do this all in under two minutes. Number one, you have to define the experience, what you want them to have. I already talked about the Ritz Carlton, where ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen, a one sentence definition that's a clear vision of your customer service. This is, it can be part of your mission and vision, value statements, whatever, but it should stand alone separately. Number two, you must communicate it over and over again. And here's number three, you must train people. And everybody gets trained. Often, the people behind the scenes are left out. We already talked about how important they are. But if they're trained at least to understand what their role is and what the expectation is internally, that's great. People on the front line are going to be trained a little bit differently. But training, and by the way, it's not something that you did. It's something you do. It needs to be ongoing. Another big mistake companies make. They think once they onboard and put people through their customer service philosophy and train them, they never have to do it again. No, it must be ongoing. Number four is that leaders and managers and even supervisors need to be role models. And by the way, I believe everybody can be a role model, but especially leadership, because you watch them, you admire them. And if they treat you a certain way, that's the way most likely the employees are going to be treating their customers and fellow employees. Number five, leadership's responsibility, as well as some management, is to keep people and departments in alignment. If they're going out of alignment with that vision, bring them back in. In a larger company that has tens and tens of thousands of employees, it's going to be a bigger deal. You might have a division or even an entire region that's out of alignment. Uh, And finally, number six, celebrate it when it works. Let people know they're doing a great job. So that is a real simple process that we actually spend a good time of uh, when we, we have consultations with leadership in companies. And we'll go in, we'll spend a day, two days working on just the first three, which is number one, defining it. Number two, how we're going to communicate it. Number three, how are we going to get everybody on board? Well, that's training. So we've, we've talked a, quite a bit about the, the personal interactions and the, the interpersonal um, interactions between employees and customers. What's the, what's the role of automation and you know, in, in great customer experiences? I mean, it's certainly, you know, um, individuals are expecting more personalized digital experiences and all this. So, you know, what's the, what, what's the role there? And do you feel like it's, it's 
um, increasing or, you know, how, how does it fit in, in what we've talked about so far? Sure. I love that you use the, the term personalized digital experiences <laughs> because <laughs> a, a while back, not even that long ago, maybe a year or two years ago, the, the digital experience was really not the personal experience. But today, more and more, you can create a more personalized experience through uh, digital and automation. And I want you to consider this, uh, the, the fallback to everybody who has a problem or a question is to talk to a human being. But if we can create a digital first experience that customers enjoy and like, and I'm going to give you a great example of one, and, and Greg, you, and I'm going to bet every single listener to this show has experienced the joy of the digital first experience without even knowing it. And they've been doing it for years. Uh, I'll get back to that in just a moment. But that digital experience on the front end is, am I going to give you a self-service option that's easy, intuitive, uh, get you the answers that you want or most of them? And if not, am I going to be able to slide you right into uh, getting help from an agent you know, or a customer service rep? seamlessly. And the ideal situation is if I do have to send you to a self-service rep, will that rep know what you are coming in? In other words, if there's a chat bot and you've been interacting with the, a, the computer, you're not getting the answer you want and you choose to talk to an agent, the agent should be able to see that, hey, I can see the question you've asked is this and I can understand you didn't get the answer. Let me go ahead and expand on this. It's like, wow, it just picked up where it left off. Now I digress a little bit, but that's really the digital first experience is something that companies any size can do. You can have frequently asked questions on your website. That's a digital experience. And if the questions really are the most popular questions, you know, how do I reset my password? How do I find out if my payments gone through? How do I uh, track my shipping? Little things like that. But how about specific information about how to do something? Uh, I, I'm not going to tell you the name of the company, but their initials are Salesforce. Oh, I love <laughs> Salesforce. And I really do. I'm actually wearing a Salesforce sweatshirt right now. Nice. Um, they are a great example because when I decided I wanted to use Salesforce as my CRM, the solution for managing my customer database, I was talking to the sales rep and I said, tell me how easy it is to get support. Oh, it's so easy. Really? If I call, do I have to wait? No, 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 no. Open up, and I'm talking to somebody on the phone, a salesperson. He says, open up your computer and go to Google and type in, how do I do? And you can fill in the blank. He told me what to ask, just an ex example of a problem I might have on uh, on Salesforce. I Googled that, and guess what happened? Instantly took me to a YouTube video, not only from Salesforce, from but from also customers that said, this is how we handled that problem. And I went, wow. So virtually every question I had about how to do something in the software I could get it on a quick Google search. How cool is that? Now, obviously there were a couple of things where I really felt I was struggling. In that case, I went to their phone. But here's the key. They trained me to use that digital first experience. And I liked it. Now I told you a moment ago, we've been doing this. When's the last time, Greg, you called the airlines to book a reservation first before you tried to do it uh, online, if you even felt you had to go and talk to the reservation uh, people after that. Yeah, you I remember? can't even remember. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> That's a digital first experience. Go to the website, book your own flight. And Delta Airlines was the first to do this and followed by many other airlines rather quickly. And what they did to train their customers was say, hey, I'm going to give you an incentive. 
250 or 500 bonus miles and try it. You'll like it. And they did. And now I know whenever I call uh, my my 800 number to talk to the airline rep, I'm never calling about a reservation. Although once in a while, the international uh, work, I have to talk to somebody. But um, usually if I'm calling them, it's because I need to make a change or uh, something was canceled. Can you help me? But the basic reservation, which took up a huge amount of the reservationist time and also forced customers to have to wait because it just there was always a bottleneck. Uh, it's been eliminated with a digital first experience that customers love. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I love that example. And I honestly can't. It's It's been a long time since I've. Exactly. Uh, other than to your exactly. point, a change or something like that, you know, something. Yeah, no, that's that, that's that's great. Well, um, one last question before we wrap up. Um, what's your advice to you know? Let's say there's an employee at an organization where there's there's great potential for good customer experience, customer support, but leadership and management just don't seem to be able to get out of their own way. Um, how can an individual that may not be a C level executive, but how can an individual individual take some steps to to make a difference in customer loyalty in their organization. Are you referring to uh, the airline industry, by the way? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, and, and I think many of the airlines are starting to get it, their understanding, but still, it's amazing the inconsistency in the experience. And if you call somebody in technical support in certain industries, sometimes you get the one you want to talk to, and yeah. other times you're frustrated. I, I, I talk about this in my book, Cult of the Customer. I talk about the force within, and that is the person that's inside a company, and maybe they like the company, but maybe they recognize there is a shortcoming when it comes to customer service and experience, but they say to themselves, I do have control over what I do, and I'm going to give my customers the best experience possible. Now, if doing that causes a problem, uh, because some companies, for example, and I'm just going to give you a very basic Uh, I realize not everybody here works at a support center, but here's a great support center example. Uh, If I'm a a call center rep or support center rep, uh, and I'm told you must get off the phone as quickly as possible. Okay. That is a, that, that tells me rather me move on to the next customer than really take care of the last one. But then you look at the American express model of don't get off the phone until they're happy. When the survey comes back and they use NPS on a scale of zero to 10, what's the likelihood that you would recommend us? If we can't get that nine or a 10, uh, that's going to frustrate management. So they said, stay on the phone, do what you need to make them happy. Average call time is not nearly as important as making sure that customer leaves willing to recommend and ideally come back again. So uh, we just need to, you know, what's the one thing? Be yourself be comfortable. If this is what you love and you're not surrounded by people that are doing that, there's two things that will happen. You're still going to do your best. I sure hope that that group doesn't bring you down, but I see that person who's in that situation moving on to a company that does respect their values that they have for taking care of business as well. Well, Shep, uh, thank you so much for joining the show. Uh, For those listening, um, what's the best way for them to keep up with what you're doing? Sure. Well, um, if just go to hyken.com, H-Y-K-E-N.com. If you're interested in the book, the book, while it doesn't come out for a little while, uh, it is, uh, you should buy it because you will instantly get the ebook. So the ebook's ready, but we have to wait for the publisher to officially re- you know, release. And the publisher's given me permission to give the actual ebook away. You can get it on your Kindle, your Nook, you get it for your computer. 
but we've got that available. So just go to I'llBeBackBook.com. By the way, in a URL, in a website, there's no apostrophe. So it looks like it'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. And yes, I, I highly recommend the book. Thanks. Thank you. Um, yeah. I know you read it. You know more about it than I do at this point. I mean, I wrote it, but I try after I've written it and rewritten it and edited and did this. And I even read the book for the audio book that's coming out. I don't ever want to see those words again. <laughs> I know. I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> but no, great, great book and, and some really, really good insights. Thank you. Um, well, again, I'd like to thank Shep Pikin for joining the show. Thanks for listening to The Agile World with Greg Kilstrom. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to The Agile World Podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can learn more and get a copy of my latest book, The Agile Workforce, from my website at theagile.world.